Welcome, or welcome back, to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched my attention to major league, major league games this year, but players develop at that level as well, until they no longer do. If you have any questions about Cubs development, fire away on the contest line at Tim815 on Twitter, or at my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, playing both catchers and bad math, and ask me questions if I was confusing. We spend our time where it's valued, and I don't wish to waste yours. The Cubs are off to, I phrased it this way, they're one of their three best starts in their last 12 decades. I think that pretty well nails it. I'm still not buying the 2020 season. There are enough concerns. The playoff field is going to be rather large regardless. Um, Trades are going to be problematic. I don't really think anybody is going to be all that interested in trading their third or fourth best prospect for a rental in a season that could end in two weeks. I just it, It's going to be interesting to see how, what is it, two weeks we have, two, three weeks we have a trade deadline. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I doubt there will be a whole lot of movement, though some teams probably realize they're far enough out of it that if they trade... A backup catcher, a backup pit, uh, bet, uh, middle leverage reliever for. But hey, what are you even going to get? What are teams even going to get? They can't trade for international spending space. They can't trade for draft picks. They can only trade for players that are on the 60 player pool. So if there does end up being a situation where, excuse me, a team decides they want to make a trade with the Cubs and they want to make a trade for insert name here Cole Roeder or Michael McAveen or somebody who is a legitimate name but isn't at the Cubs 60 man player pool right now. The Cubs could do some manipulation, move someone out, make a space, bring in the player that the other team wants to trade for, DJ Artis. I'll use him for an example. Maybe somebody says, yeah, I'm buying on DJ Artis or Nelson Maldonado or some name in the pipeline, Andy Weber, some guy that some other team is interested in, but isn't currently at the 60-man player pool. I had an article, I don't know if you've read it or not, it was on something that I talked about a little bit earlier on here. It's really hard to locate a proper and accurate list of anyone's 60-man player pool. Now, I can do it with the Cubs, but if I were to try to find... 
the 60-man player pool for the Giants or the Phillies or the Royals or the Angels. I'd have a hell of a time doing it because you can't do it at the team's website. The ChicagoCubs.com does not tell you which 60 players are in the player pool. I think that's by design. It has to be by design that nobody's transparent. Otherwise, somebody would accidentally be transparent. And someone else would say, hey, that's kind of a cool idea. We ought to do it. No, I, I really don't think teams want anyone to know who's where officially. It just seems transparency is not a thing. But uh, So let's say someone decides they want to make a trade for, I'll say Nelson Maldonado. Outfielder, drafted last year from Florida, hits the heck out of the ball. Don't know if he'll be an outfielder, might end up being a first baseman. Along those lines, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Yasiel Belligert. Big dude that hits. And the question is, does he hit well enough to find a spot? We don't know. But let's just say um, Toronto wants to trade a relief pitcher to the Cubs, and they're willing to take Nelson Maldonado back and trade. Now, last year, that would be easy. That would be stinking easy to do because you'd make the trade. You'd trade them the one guy. They'd trade you the other guy. If you have to make a 40-man shuffle, then you make a 40-man shuffle. You designate somebody, whatever. But now this year, to make a trade, the player either has to already be designated for assignment or has to be in the 60-man player pool. So, how many teams have a guy in a 60-man player pool that they actually want to trade? The guys that they have in the 60-man player pool, they don't want to trade. All the 60-man player pools are generally pretty close to full. So... If the Cubs decide they want to make a trade, doing the Cubs actually only have fifty nine because the Cubs recently, um, they lost uh, the infielder Derek Dietrich. Derek Dietrich, that's it. They had a full player pool, then they lost Derek Dietrich because he wanted to get released. They released him, and he went to the Giants. So now the Cubs actually do have a spot. So if somebody would want to make a trade, that, but if you give the Cubs four or five more days, they'll probably sign someone else, bring them to the 60-man player pool, which is a fraud. That's such a fraud. Um, That's another podcast. Who knows? I might do that one next. But... Um, it was so much easier last year, but now you have to, you know, the, the, anyone that you're going to trade has to be in the 60 man player pool, which the Royals recently added Asa Lacey to their 60 man player pool. He's not even eligible to be traded yet because he was just drafted this year. Kind of like. Burl Caraway, also not tradable, even though he's in the 60-man player pool. So, uh, but no, with, with the trades are going to be very difficult, and it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Okay, now 
I'm just realizing I should probably talk about my, the topic at hand. The Cubs are doing well. And to an extent, if pushed, if asked, who is the Cubs' primary designated hitter this season, the answer would probably be the other catcher. The other catcher being either Victor Caratini, if Wilson Contreras is starting at catcher, or if Victor Caratini is starting at catcher, Wilson Contreras is the other DH. Now, one of the things that I've been doing quite a bit of, and I've mentioned it a couple of times in the podcast, is I've been playing a bit of Stratomatic Baseball. Now, normally, I don't use the backup catcher as the designated hitter. It's just not in in Stratomatic the likelihood of a player getting injured is somewhat proportional, not totally directly, but is somewhat proportional to how many at-bats he gets. For instance, if you have a player who gets 620 at-bats in a season, regular player, plays almost all the time, doesn't miss a whole lot of time, gets in in 160 games, he'll probably play 130, 140 games. Those kind of guys don't get hurt very often. The injury comes on the hitting the hitter's role. So if a player doesn't miss much time, their hitting their injury, which comes on the hitter's card, won't come up very often. Whereas, if a player, I, uh, Roger Maris, I have one card, I, I must look it up, but uh, I'd have to go into the numbers of it all, and that might be confusing and annoying to some people. Roger Maris, the one year I have of him in Stratomatic, and the one, the one year he, he, he's on Idaho, Roger Maris had a decent year in 1963, but he got injured quite a bit. And Roger Maris, if you know anything about him, he was a good player. So if Roger Maris missed a lot of time, it was because Roger Maris got injured a lot. So this year that I have him in Stratomatic, he got injured quite a bit. So most players have their injury at the at one of the six dice rolls that come up one out of 216 times so every 216 at bats the player might get hurt now that that's not very often now if you have a player who plays 120 or 100, 100 to 120 games, somewhere in there, then you're going to have the injury a little bit more often than if the guy was playing 130, 150, 160 games. And if they only play 85 to 100, 
then their injury will be even more. So the less often you play, particularly if that is due to injury, the more likely a player will get hurt. Yeah, but what's a baseball game, a dice baseball game have to do anything? Well, catchers miss a lot of time. They just do. Sitting that close to a bat, you're going to get some foul tips off of some spots where it's really going to hurt. If you watch or listen to enough baseball and you're watching with a pad and paper or note cards or something, and you ever write down, wow, that had to really hurt that catcher. It did. It did hurt him. It's just a matter of catchers have to be tough because you only have two or three catchers on your team. So if you have a game in real life or in dice baseball where you lose two catchers in one game, and I had that just recently, wow, that throws you. You can be in perfect health shape, perfect health shape, walking into a game. But all of a sudden, if your two top catchers get injured, one of them's out for three days and one of them's out for a week, good luck. Good luck finding catching. Because you can't just poop out a catcher that's any good because all the catchers that are any good are tied up somewhere. Now you can go out and get a Kurt Casale or a... Oh, who was the guy that's been bouncing around? I was just looking at his name. But uh, you can find guys who... Yeah, he's played in the league. The Cubs actually have one, Jose Lobaton. Or Lobaton, however you pronounce his name. He's usable. Fegley is usable. But in the game on Wednesday night, Wilson Contreras got tossed when Victor Caratini was the designated hitter. So I was immediately thinking, okay, they'll send in Fegley to catch. Caratini will stay in DH. No worries. Except that's not what David Ross went with. He stuck Caratini out to catch had Fegley remain on the bench, gave up the designated hitter on a night where Kyle Schwarber was doubtful to play. It worked. Nobody else got lit up, and uh, Cubs ended up winning the game, and it was all good. But kind of interesting, if, if you're not confident enough to play Josh Fegley when the team is up, what, 5-1, to 6-1 to one in the seventh inning? But you're not confident enough to put in Josh Fegley. You'd rather give up the DH and send out Caratini. Wow, that's really brassy. I don't want to see the Cubs using the backup catcher as the DH all the time. Maybe once a week. Possibly late in the game if you have Caratini starting. You might want to send in Wilson Contreras to pinch hit if... Steven Souza is the designated hitter and the wrong-sided reliever comes in and you want to send in Contreras to whatever. You know, eighth inning, ninth inning, game changes a little bit. But uh, most of the time, I don't want to see the Cubs using their backup catcher as their designated hitter. Yeah, I know Caratini can possibly be as good as a hitter as... 
Souza or Nico Horner or David Bodie or Albert Almora. But part of the Cubs' strength so far has been whoever's been tossed out there has done an adequate job. And if people are doing an adequate job, I don't want to see the catcher used as a DH because not very often, because the more often you have two catchers out there, the more often it's going to be the one of those catchers is going to be the guy that gets hurt. If the catcher's sitting in the dugout, he's not as likely to get hurt as if he's out there catching or DHing. And one of these times, Caratini's going to be going first to third on a double and something's going to happen and he's going to be out. You don't want it to happen, but if the Cubs have no faith at all in Josh Fegley, which appears to be the case, and either Caratini or Contreras go down for anything more than three days, you're in a little bit of trouble. Because I, I, I know nobody has a whole lot of catching depth yet, and uh, hopefully that gets fixed here in the somewhat near future with um, Amaya on the way and Ronnie Quintero on the way and Ethan Hearn on the way. Who knows? Who knows gonna, who's going to end up being the guy? But um, as of right now for this season, I really, really, really don't want to see both catchers in the lineup all the time. Maybe uh, if you're playing seven games a week, have Contreras start four, Caratini start three, and have them both DH one time. Other than that, go with the DH some other way. Let, uh, let, let somebody else do it. I'm not totally ideal with the entire roster as it's put together. But hey, it's been working so far, and this is a bit of a sham of a season, and hey, maybe it'll keep going for another month, but it's, I I don't want to see catchers, the catchers both get in danger, and if either one of them goes down, and it ends up having to be Lobatone and Fegley, for any extended period of time, then you're really not going to see them as the DH. Then, then it's going to be people saying, well, maybe if we can get six starts a week out of Contreras. No, 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 no. I don't like seeing any more than four. So, um, yeah, I really haven't had a whole lot to say. Uh, Jeffress has been very good. And Jason Hayward leads the team in RBIs, which is a stunner. And... Here's my stat of the day, if I can find it. If I can find it. Anthony Rizzo is one behind. Am I going to be able to find it here? Or is it somewhere way hidden on me? It's one that says Brian717. Um, Anthony Rizzo is... One run and one hit. One hit and one run behind 
former Cubs Hall of Famer Kiki Kyler in Cubs history at hits and runs. One run separates both of them. That's like, how did that even happen? I'm glad I picked that up. Glad I noticed it. Um, Rizzo is at 665 runs scored. Kyler is at 666. Rizzo is at 1198. As far as hits, Kyler is at 1199. So if Anthony Rizzo, for instance, in the first inning against the Brewers in Wrigley Field, hits a home run, he ties Kyler in Cubs hits and in Cubs runs, all in the same trip around the bases. That'd be cool as heck. Kiki Kyler does not get enough play from Cubs fans because, well, he was before anybody saw it. He was before videotape. There's, there's not, you, you might be, I, I don't know, there might be some videotape of him out there somewhere, but it takes you how many times to get used to seeing a player? Really, how, how many times does it, you know, it, it takes a while for, like I was talking about with Albert Almora, we've seen him play for 600 games, and we still don't know who he is. Is he a guy who probably ought to get non-tendered in the offseason? Well, I don't know. Is he a guy who maybe might be a half-starter? I don't know. He hasn't shown it yet, but I don't know. The light goes on for different players at different times, and you don't want to release a guy just before he figures it out. So it, if you don't have video evidence of something, if you don't, if you're not listening to a guy play every day, you're not familiar with him. And Kiki Kyler, he was really good. He was a very good right fielder, hit well, hit for power, but he played in a, you know, the, the Cubs didn't win anything when he was there. They got got some World Series every once in a while, but he he's gotten lost. He shouldn't be lost, but people are far more interested in the here and now, what they can see, what they can hear, what they can touch, what they can do, what they can see on Twitter, and Kiki Kyler isn't that. So we end up talking about Kiki Kyler on a day when I was going to talk about Cubs not using their catchers as DHs very much. I just don't want to see them both get hurt. I don't want to see either one of them get hurt. And the best way to keep players healthy is to bounce them in and out, let them play, let them have a day off. Uh, and with catchers, it's even more touchy. And with catchers, people who have never worn the mask, the gear, the shin pads, the everything, and also have fans howling at you if you're not hitting 270 or better, not hitting 15 home runs. Yeah, catching's, catching's brutal. And, uh, hopefully, the Cubs can keep both Contreras and Caratini healthy and productive all the way through the end of the season. And, hey, let's see how it ends up going. Um... 
four-game set against the Brewers, and I'm hearing the Brewers pitchers, and I'm not particularly impressed with what I'm hearing as far as their names, but they've been doing that for the last couple of years, throwing throwing out guys who I think ought to get clobbered, but the Cubs don't do anything with it. But this year, the Cubs are back to working counts, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Win two of... Uh, the Brewers have a 10-game um, road trip coming up. The four in Wrigley are the first of the 10. Hey, if the Cubs can win three or four, at some point, it starts mattering. Um, and hopefully, when they announce the starting lineup, it won't be both catchers in. Pro- let's see, left-hander... Um, David Ross doesn't like using Caratini as a right-handed hitter. He likes him as a left-handed hitter. And I think it's a lefty tonight because they're talking about Schwarber will probably get Thursday night off as well. And Friday, theoretically, the Cardinals start playing. I hope the White Sox show up for that series. Um... So yeah, I li- limit the catchers to DH. It's not it's not a good thing. It's not it's not a wise investment because for the for the marginal benefit, you ought to be able to find somebody else who's as good as a backup catcher at hitting. And if you haven't located that, that seems to be a problem that needs to be worked on. Thanks for stopping by Prearb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant, and I might even have one in mind. I'll attempt to make that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And be nice to people.